Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And before we get into our usual Patreon shoutouts, we need to make a few announcements. We're making some changes, Youngmi. So, exciting news first. We are now offering weekly Patreon episodes. That's right. Every Sunday, you get an extra episode. More content. Because before, it used to be bi-weekly. And let's be honest, we slacked some weeks. A little bit. It was like three. You get two episodes a month. But now, guaranteed, every week, you will get an extra bonus Patreon episode. We touch a lot of sex and dating stuff, but also other chaotic subjects as well. Yeah. We're going to just... Need to have more sex? Is that what you're trying to say, Brian? <laughs> I'm tired. Well, you're going to have to subscribe to find out. And you can do so at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Wow, you like that? That was pretty smooth. Yeah. That was wow. pretty smooth. Brian's- Behind the paywall. Yeah. Um, the other announcement we want to make is that we're going to make some changes to the shout outs. Yeah. We love doing them. However, they do take a little bit of time. And what we want to do on this podcast is to center it around the discussions and highlight our wonderful guests. And, you know, we want to dedicate more time to that. So we're, we are amending our shout outs to doing 10 per episode. And we are just going to give you a positive affirmation for each. I know some of you are going to be disappointed because you were looking forward to our psychic guesses about your identity. However... It's taking too long, man. I mean, we're like backed up, I think. for We're backed up. We're backed up. We're We're backed up. We need to... We're scaling this. We're backed up. It's inefficient. In return, as an apology, please accept our weekly Patreon episodes. Yeah, we're sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But let's jump into it. Our new version of the Patreon shoutouts. Youngmi, first shoutout goes out to Estelle Gong. Estelle, you seem like the person that works in the office that brings all the donuts for no reason, like on a Tuesday, you know, just just to make everyone feel better. Thank is that you. an affirmation or? I don't know. I, I don't even guessed. know what an affirmation is. Okay, next one goes out to. Nice. Next one goes out to Steph Chu. Steph Chu. Your parents are proud of you. Monica Kim, you are so beautiful inside and out. Keep doing you. Hannah Tyra. You definitely know how to fix cars. Jeffrey Tan. You don't know how to fix a car, but you're incredible <laughs> at coding. Uh, next shout out goes out to Kathy. Kathy with an I. You, whenever uh, you walk into a classroom or whenever you, you're not in class, all the, all the classmates and or co-workers notice that you're not there. Vinnie Hong, you are the main character. Yes. In three people's lives. <laughs> Next shout out goes to Anne Shi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Anne. <laughs> Hi, Anne Shi. I like you. Next shout out goes to Vive. Vivi. You are so freaking sexy. Someone's horny, and it's Brian. (laughs) Uh, And it's me. And this next person is also horny. Max Her, you are so horny. You are horny. We love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I think that's 10. Okay. So once again, everyone, thank you for donating to our patreon please don't be too upset we promise we'll make it up to you with amazing amazing weekly patreon episodes and even better quality regular episodes but thank you again for your support and if you want to do so you can do so at patreon.com feeling asian 
Now, I think it's time to introduce our wonderful guest this week, Yemi. I'm so, I'm so excited that we're doing this, like, right into the meat, you know what I mean, Brian? Get right into the meat of yeah. it. Uh, everyone, our guest this week is just a fucking rock star of a human being. She is the co-founder of the company Omsom, which I'm sure you might have come across on your social media platforms or even tried their products, but we'll jump into that. Everyone, please give your ears to Kim Pham. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so stoked. This is going to get a little ratchet. I'm ready. I'm so excited to have you. I love your social media presence. There's so many like interesting, fascinating things about you. And I literally, I'm... I'm shitting my pants right now. <laughs> All right. So, young me and I are in the same room. <laughs> Brian's, Brian's basement flooded. So, oh, shit. you know, from the storm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been a struggle for Brian. Right, right. So, this is young me's way of saying that my apartment uh, is dealing with some shit water and young me wa- uh, wants to, to the shit problem. <laughs> She's contributing. Yeah, yeah. I'm contributing. However, I don't know if I'm on your side on this, young me. Do you do that, Kim? Like, you're so amped about something that you want to shit your pants out of excitement. I I don't know if I'm there quite yet. (laughs) I get when I I get excited, I I have to shit. (laughs) Thanks, Kim. Thank you. Young me, Mayor. You do you. Shitting your pants is a valid response, okay? Kim, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, before we jump into how you feel, Youngmi, how are you feeling? Uh, well, it's nice to be in the same room with you, Brian. I know we recorded the uh, dating episode together, which was cool. Um, I always like sitting in the same... I don't know. It just feels different when you're like in the same room, I feel like. Um, I'm feeling... I'm feeling... Okay, so I've like really cut back on doing stand-up just because I... I don't know. I just this sounds like kind of uh, weird, but I've been seeing it as like I don't get as much in return. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd rather focus on something that I'm going to like, you know, it's going to become something. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, but like doing stuff online is just way better for me and my career than going to like a bar with eight people and saying one joke for six months. And like two of them already hate you because you're asian yeah and they're, they're, yeah and they're making out and the, which this is like okay so i have a story they're like we're on a fucking date what is this bullshit what are you fucking kidding stand-up is happening i know it's, it's always like they're at a bar and then the stand-up show starts to happen they're like no are you fucking oh, kidding me God. and then they leave and she's asian the worst <laughs> people are always like saying weird things about like how i dress they're like oh it's a it's a blue hair like they call you that that's like a slur online now do you know that brian Uh, i've heard that i've heard in some parts of bushwick that is an extremely pejorative slur yes it's the blue it's a blue hair it's a blue hair a blue hair is talking and telling us what to do so anyway i did a stand-up show yesterday literally worst show of my entire life oh and i want to tell you I'm going to I'm going to post clips to the because I taped it. I'm going to tell you and I'm probably going to post some clips because it's actually really funny. And I'm really how I'm feeling is really proud because I stood up for myself and I like I think I made it funny. But I want to apologize to anybody that was at the show because I think I think there were some Asian women in the audience. And I was I was 
assuming that they were there because I posted it in my stories. And so if you're listening to this and you were there, please DM me. I feel so bad. Oh, my God. For for making putting them in this unsafe situation. Yeah, I noticed that we lost two Instagram followers on our Feeling Asian well, podcast. Oh, so. is that why, Brian? It's I not because you you're in a relationship? Eight, you said there were eight people on the show, <laughs> at the show. Uh, two of them are racist white guys and two Asian women, naturally. We lost the two <laughs> racist white guys. <laughs> they Darn. don't like our podcast. <laughs> uh, they hate follow. So let me tell you, Brian, let me tell you what happened, Kim. I got, so I got to the show and the first comedian was like a white guy. Yeah. And he was, talking and it was like a, it was a bar show there's probably like i would say 20 people in the audience right it's a pretty it's a pretty busy show for okay, back so of the bar that's it's bumping it's a big time <laughs> it's a big time kids wow and there were like a handful of asian women in the back and i was like they're i feel like they're here to see me and then my friend said that he heard them say something like that so i was like oh well this is nice or whatever maybe i'll talk to them right <sighs> So the first guy goes up and then I am like, oh, I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette and I'll come back. He's on the stage. I come back. There's this wa- there's this wall of like five white women. OK. Mm-hmm. And they all look very rich. And I could so gather a wall of them. A wall of them. <laughs> I could gather that the host of the show, who is our mutual. Fr- I'll tell you who it is later. OK. Was sleeping with one of them because he sat down next to her and then they were like hugging. Okay. And so I was like, oh, he, that's probably his girlfriend and her her friends. They brought She brought her friends to right, s- right. see her boyfriend's comedy show. And I was like, oh, that, that's nice. I go outside. I come back in after I smoked. The white guy comedian is just like yelling at these women. And like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just like, man, this guy's a dick or something, right? Yeah. And then so he's yelling at them. And then and then he at, in the middle of it, he just starts like telling the host to come up because he's done. He just leaves the stage. Oh, shit. And then when he's leaving, I was just like, oh, maybe th- this guy, maybe he sucks or something. Because but the vibes are catastrophic. Catastrophic. Right now, okay. Vibes are, ca- I literally got on stage and I said, vibes are catastrophic in here. What's going on? I was like, I missed everything. What happened? <laughs> yeah. And th- and I was like, why was he yelling at these women? Yeah. And then the somebody in the front was like, these fucking white bitches or something like that. Okay. So, and I was like, wait, what happened? So it turns out that the white women were heckling him. Oh. And they were drunk. So they kept like interrupting all his jokes. And he was uh. like, he was like, shut the fuck up. I'm like doing stand up. You don't have to be here. Like, whatever. And so then I was like, ha 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 ha. And I was like trying to be on their, like on their side because I wanted to smooth things over. But, yeah. But like the, the hashtag woman, believe women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on women's side. And so <laughs> the woman. The, the woman, the woman, the woman that was sleeping with the host, who's my our mutual friend, walked out of the room with her other friend because those two were the ones that were fighting with the comedian, and the host walks out with them, and so I'm just like trying to do jokes. I like thought this was this was this is funny actually. I said, oh, the host told me once that he slept with over 200 white women, which oh, he told me. He's Jesus. not white. Wait, he told me. You said that in front of his girlfriend? No, she left. Oh, okay. So, okay, I was okay. Like, so I was like, when I walked in and I saw a bunch of white women, I was like, assuming all of you have slept with him. Is the, is the host not a non-white person? Non-white person. But he told me Ooh, once, that, once, right? And I was like... Okay, weird. And so I was <laughs> no like, weird. that's weird. But yeah. I think he was like telling... He thought it was funny. And I was like, that that's weird. Why are... And so I just said that on stage, like, come on, guys, like, let's relax. Like, oh, are you guys all sleeping with him so as you a put joke? Him on blast. He, but he wasn't there. Oh, and then shit. the and then the the drunk white woman that were one of the people that oh. were heckling the first comedian. Yeah, is like, 
you're not funny. And I was like, you're not funny. Like what? <laughs> and then so I was, she was like texting and I was like, oh my God, are you texting your friend that I just said that he slept with over 200 white women? Oh, shit. So I said that to her and she was like, shut up. Why are you? She was like, and then she was like, why are you picking on me? And I was like, bro, I'm just saying that you're on the phone, like relax. And yeah. then, the, and then the other, the, all the other audience members were turning on her. Oh shit. And then, Oof. and, and then I just said, white women are always the victim, even when they're wrong. Oh shit. And then she got even more mad. But then I feel like the other audience members started being like, ha ha ha. And then I like just started like going around asking them like, oh and God. I was like, are you white? And then, this one woman was like, I'm Mexican. And, was, and she was like, fuck these women, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, so yeah. you just incited a straight up coup at this <laughs> a, ra- a race war. Oh my I started God. a race war. But it was so, but it was so funny because the whole time I like wasn't, I wasn't nervous. Like, you know, like when you get heckled, Brian. Yeah. You get like, it's kind of like destabilizing and you kind of get knocked off your ass. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the entire time I was just like having so much fun. Uh-huh. Like I just thought it was really funny. That's great. And I just kept like making jokes and stuff like that. So I was really proud. Wow. And I was like, maybe I am a professional stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Anyway, I want to cli- I want to post clips of that. Oh shit. On my Instagram. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, now- I need to know what happened with the Asian women. Oh, they were laughing. At one point I said on stage, I was like, we're going to, we're getting into a race fist fight. All the Asian, b- <laughs> I said, all you Asian bitches in the back and your one white friend, she's on my side. <laughs> you guys are all on my side. Your white friend looks like she can fight. <laughs> oh, I love it. That, that's what happened. I love that there's some closure to this. Kim, I love it, Kim. Your attention to detail is spot on. I, highs, I forgo- and lows. I f- highs and lows. Forgot about th- I forgot about that detail. And for a moment, this was like an HBO limited series where that's a detail and there's just no resolution. They're just there. But Kim... Kim listens. Yeah. She knows what's up. There's like no, no no end to that story. That's all that happened. Oh, and then I texted my friend, the host, and I was like, bro, what is wrong with you? Don't bring friends like that to a comedy show. And, and he's the- like, mm, I'm going to let you know that my number is now 205 white men, women. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, and then all the comedians were really upset. Like the, uh, the guy that went ahead of me yeah. was like, why'd you bring your fucking drunk ass girlfriend? And they were just, you know what I mean? It's just like not a professional Woo! environment. And I was like, dude, that was so unprofessional. And I was like, and, and then I was like, and those like people, like my friend said that he heard them say that they were there to see me. Mm. It's like, I feel like shit that I like posted this on my Instagram and they had to come to that. <laughs> come on, bro. And I was like, that was so unprofessional. But I, like, I think that when, him. when people yeah. go to see you, it's kind of like it's a kind watching NASCAR. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm see here to see the race, but I kind of want to see someone crash too. Like, they were that's so exactly what they wanted. The young me mayor experience, like, yeah, stand up's cool, but chaos is also pretty fucking cool. Yeah, they're like chaos. They, that was their dream to see me yelling at a white woman, a rich white woman. They're like, wow, this is uh, what's your Venmo? Because you gave us more than enough show. My favorite thing right now is that, young me, you're like, it was so unprofessional, but I'm going to incite a race war. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was it. I love that. I, I know I incited a race a fist fight, but you know what? You're so unprofessional. <laughs> How about you, Brian? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm so... Okay, so I am feeling pretty fucking excited for 
a couple of reasons. So one is my girlfriend has been away for the past two weeks, and so I'm going to go pick her up at the airport right after this recording. So I'm really excited to see her again. Aww. And uh, I'm going to the U.S. Open tomorrow. What? And Ooh. so the U.S. the U.S. Open, for those of you who aren't aware, is uh, one of the four tennis majors, and it happens here in New York. And I, I'm like so giddy with excitement. I'm wow. I'm glue. I am obsessed. Obviously, you know I'm obsessed with tennis. And whenever the U.S. Open comes around in New York, like shit, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm just happy for no reason other than that. I can be having the worst day. In fact, I did have one of the worst. I had a terrible day a couple days ago because my fucking basement flooded during because of Hurricane Ida. Yeah. And so yeah, I've been dealing. I've been dealing with that too. It that is, sucks. Oh, it's horrible. It's Highs so and lows, horrible. Like Kim said. Right. Like in that moment. Oh, actually, uh, this is another plug for our Patreon. We talked about this in our Patreon episode, didn't okay. we? <laughs> is that um, you know. You say how you're drawn to men who are very handy because yeah. if there is an apocalyptic situation, they can help you. I, honestly, I have to say, the person that I'm dating now is handy, but not not historically. I like the the ones that are weak. Yeah. I so like you know, I I host a <laughs> podcast in Brooklyn. That's yeah, yeah. Not the most <laughs> useful guy during an apocalypse and. Uh, my basement was just flooding like crazy. And I just remember like the water, sewage water, mind you, is like up to my ankles. And there's just, I just hear like water filling up this room. And I'm like, wow. it, it was just so overwhelming. I'm like, I, w- I just was just kind of parallel. I'm like, do I, I don't know what to, they didn't teach me this in AP US history. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very book smart. I'm yeah. a bookish guy. Yeah. But in that moment, I just felt so emasculated. Because I'm like, I don't even know. Do I, I guess I save the mics. and You're just <laughs> holding the mics. I'm just holding the mic. Save the equipment. Not the equipment. <laughs> holding the Zoom recorder. Like, <laughs> just like sewage water. Like. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, you know, uh, it, it, it sucks. It's very sobering, but at the end of the day, like I'm just glad no one got hurt and yeah. all of it's replaceable. I can just deal with it with the insurance companies. However, I'm just extremely excited because it's, it's tennis season, baby. And wow. my girlfriend is coming back today. That's so Aww. exciting. <laughs> um, I want to also say that I would be useless in an apocalypse. Are you kidding? I would get a nosebleed and like immediately just lay down and just wait for death. <laughs> yes, I'll die. This is I it. get the... Oh, the Wi-Fi's not working? I I choose death. Oh my <laughs> <It's> god. So <laughs> but yeah, pretty short that's and great. sweet. I'm just uh that's what's going on with I'm me. Happy for you, Brian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh Kim, how are you feeling? I am sad because sundress ho season is over. Like literally uh, stepping outside, I was like, Oh, it's it's here. Fall is coming. I'm a cancer baby, I'm a summer queen. I just yeah. want to be wearing as minimal clothing as possible. And so the fact that, like, I will now have to wear thigh-high socks with my dresses is a little heartbreaking. But I'm trying to keep it in stride. Yeah. yeah. Getting getting railed in a jumper. Does that... Just doesn't... Getting railed in a sweater dress. Getting... <laughs> a cardigan. Get, no. Get, get, no. Getting railed in a light jacket. 
No, it doesn't have the same. It doesn't ring really to have it. the it's same not, ring to it. It's not. <laughs> Um, but I am excited because my parents are visiting this weekend. Um, nice. And they're the best. I love Mama and Papa fam. Although I realized, so I'm 29 and they're like staying yeah. at my apartment. So they're sleeping in my bed. I'm sleeping on the couch. And nice. like I started talking to my friends and they're like, oh, wait, your parents aren't like getting a hotel. And I was like, oh, wait, that's like a thing. <laughs> Yo, I think it's a white thing. I think it's, is it okay? I, I really, that's it's an a Asian white thing. Th- yeah, it's, it's a white an thing, Asian thing, right? thing. Yeah, the, yes. yeah. yeah. Asians never always stay at your house. Yeah. yeah, my friends, my friends. I told my friends that too, and they thought it was really weird. Right, like, and it's to yeah. me, it just seems like a no-brainer. Like, right. of of course, you're, you're more than welcome to stay at my apartment. Like, I would love to. You know, yeah, why so go? Weird. Like, yeah. it just seems so impersonal to be like, okay, see you later, Ch- see you later. Dad's first name. <laughs> dad's first name. Go to your, yeah. you don't go to your even hotel. You don't know your dad's first name. Yeah. <laughs> like a stranger. <laughs> I just thought it was weird. They were like, wait, that's so, like, you know, you're like grown. I'm like, but it's my parents. <laughs> like, yes, I'm yeah, grown, yeah. but like my parents. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, you know, I have yeah, a one yeah. bed in East Williamsburg. I'm not, it's not like I have like a ton of roommates or anything like that. So I was just like, yeah. apparently that's a thing. Like, is white people's wow. parents get hotel rooms. But if my parents visited now, I would get them a hotel because I live on a five floor walk up, and I can't have Fair. their them getting a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's now, hard. Yeah. Uh, is it was it stressful prepping your place for your parents? Oh my god, it was very stressful. <laughs> actually, put a TikTok <laughs> out yesterday about it. So my parents are amazing. They're actually super like progressive and really sex positive. But I was like. I don't need to like throw my sex positivity and kink and fetish positivity in their face. So like had to put away lots of toys and instruments and mechanisms, you know, just had to put them into shelf. We're talking mechanisms. Yes. (laughs) Instruments as well. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, like it's my home. So I don't even think about it. But yeah, like maybe don't have like my restraints hanging out or like my dildos and my shibari rope and like, (laughs) My crops and floggers, like that doesn't need to be in plain view for mama and papa fam. So I have a little, a little drawer where all that goes away. (laughs) That's a little taste of, because we wanted to have you on, obviously to discuss Amsam, but we also wanted to talk to you about the BDSM thing, which we're going to get to later. later, So now they know so much about you. I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about BDSM. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Your life sounds fucking exhilarating and sick as fuck i want to be where, friends yeah. with you where are you putting what? all the stuff yeah, where's like, all the stuff going where am i fitting like the stuff where are you hiding it <laughs> um i have like oh it's i have like my sus drawer where like okay. when i am with a partner and they see me walking over to that drawer sus yeah. activities are about to occur so nice. it's, just, it's it's one drawer it's dedicated it's a it's it's a black sus. box of things that There's just <laughs> everything goes in there. Just sus activity. I, no, I'm like imagining because your parents are gonna be visiting and like your mom's just gonna like open yes. like the pantry and like some like a crotch. I don't even know like a she's gag gonna ball's like, gonna fall on her. Wake like up a dildo f- or something. she's gonna be like flipping like an omelet using your like <laughs> spanking thing. I don't even know what it's called. The whip. <laughs> Using like, one of my this paddles. is, whisking is the paddle, eggs. Like, hey, I found your whisk under the bed. I don't know what it was doing in there, but who wants an omelet? Oh. That's so funny. Oh your my god. Your dad's gonna be using a hanging restraint thing as a hammock. To, like re- he's gonna use that ball gag thing he thinks is a back massager. He's gonna be like hitting his back with it. Like oh, I love. He's gonna be rolling around. <laughs> I 
found your back massager in, oh in the in a drawer. I don't know. You got a bunch of back massagers in there. Um, that is so funny. Oh man. Well, that's super exciting, and you definitely got to keep us posted. Hopefully, they yes. don't. Uh, uh, yeah, Kim. So you know, we'll let you explain to us. Uh, you're you're co-founder of this incredibly successful yes. company called Omsom. Um, tell us, like, what is Omsom? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when I'm not doing sus activities, uh, I am <laughs> the co-founder of Omsom. Omsom is a proud and loud Asian food brand really focused on reclaiming and celebrating the multitudes in Asian flavors and stories. Basically, um, I run the business with my sister, actually, Vanessa. We are both first-generation Vietnamese Americans and daughters of refugees. And growing up, we just never, ever felt seen or celebrated, frankly, by that, like, ethnic aisle in mainstream mm, grocery yeah. stores. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to one recently, but it's, like, fucking stepping back in time. Like, the products are yeah. really old-school, <laughs> super whitewashed, like, diluted in flavor and just not at all like celebrating the communities from which they arise. And so Vanessa and I quit our jobs like two, three years mm. ago, really just to yeah. be like, how can we reimagine this category and, and map to the changing DNA of this country? And yeah, so Amsam was really born from that. The ethnic food aisle is like Vietnamese, Mexican, <laughs> it's Peruvian, uh, uh, Ukrainian. It's like, okay, what what is this? Gefilte fish. Like, what? <laughs> what? It's like the entire world uh, in one aisle. And then there's like 50,000 types of ranch in the next aisle. Yes. There's one ranch aisle. Yeah. And then the entire world in another aisle. It's so funny. It's just like, I just, I can't believe with all, it's 2021, right? And, and even for yeah. it to be called this ethnic aisle, like it's so inherently othering. It like, yeah. it, it centers white Americana as like the default for the American diet yep. when that's just so not true. And even thinking about like, there are some cuisines and communities that have kind of transcended that aisle, right? Like look at Greek food, look at Italian food, right? Like right, right. that's not considered ethnic. Like basically it's basically like non-Western European communities of yeah. color. Like that's what ethnic means um, for all intents right. and purposes in the grocery store. And so, yeah, it's just so What's hodgepodge. Yeah. It's like black eyed peas sitting next to like jerk sauce sitting next to soy sauce and fish it makes no sense no sense and the what's the deal with the baby corn and cans it's always baby (laughs) corn why why is that in the ethnic aisle I don't know who the hell is using this baby corn I guess Chinese food is like I don't remember seeing it (laughs) what country (laughs) it's every single time the baby corn (laughs) sorry uh, uh, grocery stores, you need to normalize baby corn. Yeah. Baby okay. wow. corn can realize white food. Didn't realize baby uh, corn was a topic for you, and, and now I know. <laughs> all the brands, the the lettering is always like that. No, 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 no. That font. Oh you know, the God. chopsticky Dragons looking font. and panda. Girl, don't even get me started. It's such a mess. So, Omsom to me is, needless to say, it's an incredible product. I am a terrible cook and it's me too. Oh my God. Um, it makes everything so easy and it tastes fucking fantastic. Um, but the brand itself is, I find it, uh, fascinating and it almost to me seems like this new wave of business. Let's say 3.0 for lack of a better term yeah. where yes, like the branding is on point. It's great. It's eye catching. However, you use your 
platform, like your social media platforms and you as a co-founder are like very vocal about addressing these, using the food and obviously food is inherently very political and you don't shy away from that as a brand. And I'm curious, like, how does that feel? And is that a conscious choice on your end of things? Yeah, for sure. First off, thank you. You could like, you should basic, you, I feel like you could pitch us. Damn, like, great job. Okay, great job, Ryan. I will send you to my next VC meetings. Hire um, him. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. We get asked this quite a lot. And I wish, I kind of wish I had like a neat answer of like, yeah, this is like the the future of how right. conscious businesses are being built. But it's because actually, like in the past, like it always felt like business is separate from right. personal. Like or it's very impersonal. Just focus on the product. But with Omsom, you it's like you're you and your sister's personalities are like very apparent and it's like the through line for this entire company. Yeah. I, I guess like, you know, how we show up in the world is is like not divorced from us as individuals and frankly like what my team cares about. Like we yeah. never set out to be like a product brand. We really set out to be about the culture. Um mm. and this kind of really interesting place of being third culture in Asian America and like, what does that mean? And what do we care about and what sort of dialogues or topics have long been erased or silenced and how can we, you know, we've been given a platform and we're so grateful for it. And we feel like we kind of have to use it to talk about the things that we care about. It's, it's not like, you know, there's a playbook behind the scenes of like, this is how we cut through the noise on social. It's truly like my team gets together and we're like, what do we fucking care about? What have we, what has been sitting in our hearts mm. as Asian Americans? Mm -hmm. What is happening on a larger dialogue that like perhaps non-Asian communities aren't talking about? Like, mm. you know, folks for, I don't know why, seem to like want to listen and, and care about us. And so, you know, that's a deep and immense responsibility that we feel like we have to use for good. And for us, that means like, yeah, having a lot of kind of uncomfortable, proud and loud conversations. Yeah, I think that's like so, I think that's really great. Like what you said, you know, when you are given a platform, it is sort of like, there is like somewhat of a responsibility to like talk about things that people may not be talking about. But I also have to say, I think that your intuition as a business owner is very smart because, you know, like what Brian said, back in the old days, they were like, don't ever talk about anything. It has to be a brand and nobody has to know who's behind this. But yeah. like, I, th I think the strength of your brand and your company is that there is like a real person behind it. For sure. And especially when it's like, you know, we're in this era where people are getting in trouble because white people <laughs> are co-opting our cultures and, you know, like you and being like, oh, this is a... Uh, what's what's that word that they love to say? A uh, set elevated, uh, elevated, uh, elevate. You know, I elevated fa and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think in this culture, I think your intuition is really smart that people want to see an Asian person doing <laughs> it and they're respectfully doing it and they're like, this is my brand and we want to like do this right and we're gonna use any attention that we get to like help our community too. And I think, I think that's very smart on your part. Yeah, thanks. I, I wish it was like business savvy, but it's it's honestly just like it feels like us as individuals. I think Vanessa and I have, you know, we grapple with the word activist, right? And in yeah, that yeah. in right. twenty twenty one, but like I think you know we after the twenty sixteen election, I think her and I looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck? And like, how can we mm. begin to build a world that feels a little bit better? And for us, like, how do we stay in our lane and do that? And for us, like, our lane really felt explicitly like Asian flavors and stories. It felt tied yeah. to our own kind of personal journeys as first right. gen daughters of refugees. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, like, I guess like 
the way that I think about it is in this day and age, like when you don't stand for something, you don't mean anything to anyone, you know, Mm. like, and I, and I feel like we are just like, we know who we are and we know who we're for. Like we are first and second gen folks, Asian Americans, third culture, thinking actively about their identity and how it relates to the world, realizing that food doesn't sit in a bubble. It's inherently political as you said brian and so like that's our ride or dies like and how can we build for them not being exclusionary of course like if you're down to see the multitudes and like down to recognize that asian america doesn't just look one way then like we fuck with you and ride with us but we know at our heart at our core who we're first and foremost for and i think that's like been the key i think to our kind of success so far right Mm -hmm. and even though you're just being yourself and uh, voicing things and matters that are important to you. It is inherently risky though. Cause yeah. even before oh, you went yeah. public and you're trying to get early stage investments from people, I think politicizing anything is it's inherently risky because, and let's be honest, I'm sure, I'm sure it's changed and progressed a lot, but mm. a lot of these VCs or people with like this capital who can invest in your companies, they're probably going to be like cis hat white dudes yeah. who, if you politicize anything, it's like, gonna it, it causes a reaction. So I think it's uh, even though you're just being authentic in yourself, like I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And if Young Me and I were to yeah. try to like start a f- startup or cr- like have a business to get investments for, I would yeah. probably be like, "Are you sure you want to yeah. th- like make this so political? This might like rub people the wrong way." Yeah, I and think that. Yeah, I think that's like based in capitalism and like yep. white capitalism in America because that the whole I, I this is just my theory that whole like stripping your brand of any sort of real personality right. to, to further your corporation is like you know like basically you're just trying to make it neutral so everyone wants mm-hmm. to buy it yeah but if you add this personal story to it it becomes more niche you know right. like yeah there are lots of people that are white people or not non-Asian people that will see your message and be turned off by buying your product who would have maybe bought it if if you didn't, if you weren't so political. Like in the early stages of it, was there some persuasion that was needed? Like that had to be done on your end? Like, was there a little bit of friction? That is nearly a separate four hour rant (laughs) podcast. Um, But yeah, I guess like the TLDR is like when we first started, this was 2000, like when we first started kind of thinking about this idea, 2019, 2018, and we're pitching this idea of like Asian food brand. And I, and young me, you're right. Like when you look at the gatekeepers, they're like largely older, straight white men. And for them, we were pitching them this idea of like, yo, this parade is coming. You see crazy rich Asians. That's a fucking tip of the iceberg. Like Asian Americana is reclaiming our voice, reclaiming our power. And it's just a matter of time before like a food brand that's focused the way that we are on Asian dishes and Asian chefs, like it's bound to happen. And we were telling this, you know, we had all these like stories and, and stats and data, like Asian Americans are the fastest growing ethnic group with the fastest growing buying power. Like it it felt ironclad. And then you talk to these Mm. people who have such specific viewpoints of the world. They're like, oh, well, my nanny cooks Asian food once a month, so there's no market for this. And, and like at that (laughs) point, yeah, oh no, that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate pushback we got. And Vanessa and I were just like we're banging our heads against a wall here. Like we're not like on, on paper, Vanessa and I are actually like what a lot of founder, like what a lot of VCs would want to invest in. Like Vanessa went to Mm. Harvard. I went to NYU, like we're smart and we've worked like, you know, white collar jobs and all of that. But even then this like kind of perceived 
notion of nicheness really hurt us in the beginning. And mm. I'm going to be honest with you, that was like that earliest Yikes. fundraise was the darkest time in Amsom's history. Even us and I Oof. deeply struggled with mental health issues. We yeah. were struggling mm. to keep the lights on. We don't have access to generational wealth. And so we couldn't kind of like keep it right. going. And it was just really difficult. But I think at, at one point something clicked largely driven by Vanessa. She's really kind of the one who spearheaded a lot of this thinking where it was like, you know what? Our dedication to our community, our unapologeticness mm. around who we are and who we are for serves mm-hmm. as both like a magnet and a filter. Cause mm. like if someone is never, if someone's yeah. never going to get Asian America as, and seeing us as like valid or important, or even like yeah. a good consumer segment, like there is no amount of convincing that I can do to get you across the finish line. So like, I'm right. not going to waste my time, not going to waste my energy. And instead, it w- ended up being a magnet to investors who were largely like femme folks, people of color, LGBTQIA, yeah. yep. who were like, you know what? Maybe I'm not Asian, but I'm underrepresented in these other ways. And I see the power of these communities yeah. right. that have long been Standard. underserved. Like, right. once we kind of got really clear on that, it just became so much easier to find the right folks versus like yeah. begging gatekeepers who were never, ever going to get it. Like, across the finish line was just it's not going to yeah. work. You know, I feel like that, what you just said, reminds me so much of, like, what Brian talks about a lot in doing the podcast, where he was like, I entered comedy, and then I was like, gatekeepers, white old men, and yeah. they don't get it, and they don't understand my my content, and they're saying that this is not, not going to work, and so we, you know, like, this that led him to starting this podcast, and now we're like, oh, we found our audience, Yeah. and the other thing is, like, I don't want to have an audience that doesn't get it do you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah. let's say you scrubbed omsom clean so it's hap- so it looks better to like a corporation white guy do you want them to buy yeah. your product i mean you'd be right. a billionaire but you know what i mean like really like they want what if they're like what if the white guy's like i like this but can you write everything in the chopstick <laughs> font and add baby corn <laughs> we need more baby corn. Baby corn. It's, it's okay, but where's the baby corn? I thought this was Oriental food, right? Like, do we want that guy buying totally. some anyway? No. I mean, it's what you your journey and as a company it just <laughs> exemplifies the importance of having a diversity of voices at the top level and at yeah. that level, decision making level, because. You know, now, like, we're all the better for it. I get to enjoy, like, really easy Asian home cooking. But if it weren't for those ride-or-die yeah. people from the beginning who yeah. just got it, yeah, you know, it's, like, it's fucking bullshit. And your company's <laughs> doing so well. So it's, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, like, they're, like, this is never going to work. It's it's working, it's, Oh, girl, Steven. the number of You know what I mean? The amount of investors <laughs> who have come crawling back into my inbox, like, hey, just circling back. Like, it's delicious. It's delicious. It's like a delicious feeling. I'm like, yes, mm. feed me. Just as but, delicious but I, as the Omsom larb. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I guess like, That's my favorite one. <laughs> something I've been thinking about, too, is like, I think we're th- sometimes it's easy to view this in the binary of like, okay, you're either proud and loud and niche or you're like commercial yeah. and nothing and you mean nothing, right? Mm. Right. I think what I'm trying to do is kind of this long game of like, all right, we have our ride or dies, but slowly and surely we're going to like incept non-Asian folks. And like, maybe they're there for the dishes, but then like they're reading our newsletters, they're watching our TikToks, they're like following our community. And it becomes like a slow, but very intentional, like literal opening of people's minds and palates. Like, I think that's kind of my end goal with Omsom is that like, 
you know, hashtag capitalism, like we do have to grow. And I'm just trying to think Mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't want to go stark, like now we're for everyone. Now it's like personality lists, you know, but it's like, how can we keep our proud and loud heart while still like, perhaps like just bringing in more and more folks who are down to read about how you shouldn't assume that Asian food should always be cheap. And like, it's Mm -hmm. actually really shocking Mm -hmm. to me how many non-Asian folks read our stuff and are like, they DM me and they're like, I never thought about the ethnic aisle or damn, I always thought MSG was bad. And actually y'all have opened my minds and I'm like, fuck, like we're doing that work and it's worth it. Like if I can kind of get allies and advocates along the way. Totally. I think those are some of my favorite DMs that we get on this podcast are from white people who in a lot of cases yeah. their partner is Asian yeah. and mm. they say they listen to the podcast as a means to better understand yeah. their, oh. their romantic partners. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's really like awesome. That is sweet. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, like for the very large part, n- none of them are like offensive. Like they have questions and I'm like, that's a valid question. And that's a really interesting, yeah. you know, point and stuff like that. Um, but also I want to say, yeah, that I feel like that's such a good example of what you were saying where you're like, if you have a platform, even if it's like, I have a food company, you, you do these dialogues and then people that have never, like, I don't know anyone that's never heard the, you know, the MSG is uh, allergy is racist dialogue. Like, I can't believe people have not heard that yet, (laughs) but that's how you reach them. Cause first you're like, here's some, here's some food. Psych, you're learning now. You're learning. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) incepting your shit yeah because here's the thing like everyone loves asian food right so at the that's like at the bare minimum i'm like cool cool eat our stuff now like fucking learn you know i think that's now we're here yeah so like i said omsom to me kind of represents brand 3.0 for all of the aforementioned reasons and the discussion we had but also you yourself kim are kind of like you're founder 3.0 where (laughs) you are you know, you're very open and vulnerable about not only how you run this business, but just about all facets of your life. And then, you know, on your Instagram, you are very, uh, you know, you're open about like kink, BDSM, sex positivity. I don't know anything about all of that. And that's why I'm so interested (laughs) to learn more. But again, like, you're you're unabashedly yourself and that's to me that's why it's like founder 3.0 where (laughs) there's no separation or delineation of like i gotta be this buttoned up person and then hide the other facets of me from the public eye and yeah uh, i guess to start can you describe your journey and like how it even how you even got into all of this yeah before so bdsm is what does it stand for? Bo- body? No. It, <laughs> it depends Sorry. on, like, I, there's many different, um, but it's okay. largely bondage, discipline, and submission, or um, domination, submission, like, there's multiple kind of interchangeable, and then M is for masochism. But basically, okay. power exchange. Okay. okay. Right, okay. No, I, I feel like I get the fundamental concept of that. Of course, sex has so much stuff with power and power dynamics but yeah tell us about yeah maybe just like tell us about how you got into it okay tldr about three years ago i got out of a really lovely really wonderful loving but very vanilla relationship i had spent most of my kind of young 20s post-college with this person and you know no no shade to him but kind of stepped out from that and i was like whoa like i kind of don't really know who i am and you know that that can happen Mm. in relationships especially monogamous ones And I was like, okay, I'm going to 
classic Kim, a little bit neurotic. I'm, I was like, okay, I want to do this exercise where I go through every single little thing that I think I know about myself and determine whether or not that was like truly mine and in, like formed organically or if it was inherited by society or social norms. And like mm. literally I was like, boom, boom, <gasps> boom, boom. And in that process realized like, oh, I'm actually queer. Oh, like I had been biphobic for so long and internalized so much biphobia. I'm actually like a bi woman. Okay, that's cool. Oh, and I'm actually really kinky. And mm. that for so long, especially because I'm an Asian woman, I'm a Southeast Asian woman. I felt like I had been fed this narrative my whole life that my play and pleasure was not for me. It was for mm-hmm. to be reaped by someone else, right? And you yep. see this from like, you know, full metal jacket to, um, you know, the silent submissive stereotypes, even to porn and how Asian women are typically depicted. I had yeah. always felt, and even with partners where I felt like I was fully autonomous and had full agency that like, at the end of the day, I had to be submissive. And I was like, yep. oh, ugh. like, is that actually me? No, I want to go learn to be a dominatrix. And so yeah. um, wow. I was like, if I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do it the right way. So I started actually like formally training alongside pro doms and sex workers and then actually Whoa. finding a community of other really wow. sex positive, um, badass Asian femme folks to um, right. like kind of be alongside. And through that process was like, learned a ton about what it means, you know, to do ethical BDSM, learned a ton about like co-creation with submissives, even like fully kind of reframing the way that I view BDSM and power exchange and, and Mm -hmm. topping and bottoming. Like I just learned a lot and I just wanted to do it the right way, honestly, as opposed to kind of like watching porn and trying to mirror it with people who hadn't really consented to that. And so, yeah, yeah. Kind of fast forward two, three years. It is now a huge, huge facet of my life. I Mm -hmm. don't really have like a vanilla life and like a kinky life. For me, integration is really important. Like my investors know that I'm really sex positive. My parents know I'm sex positive. Maybe not all Mm. the instruments and mechanisms, but they do know. (laughs) Um, And it's just like, I'm becoming the person that I think I wanted when I was younger as like Mm. a 12 year old kid in a growing up in a really white town, not fully understand, not fully understanding my queerness and my kinkiness. And now I'm like, oh, I'm like that person that she wished she had known. Um, right. And oh. that's really kind of yeah. my North Star. I love how you tied in your, you know, your life as an Asian woman into this journey. Because I think, I'll, like, I feel like we've talked about this sort of topic before. Not the BDSM, but this sort of, like, realization for a lot of Asian people. And, you know, especially Asian women where you are taught, like, your whole life is for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for most women too. Like, you know, we watch porn Mm -hmm. and porn is made basically for mostly for straight men. And so the, the, the POV in porn is that the women are there for the men to look at and they're faking orgasms and they Mm -hmm. look like, you know, they look a certain way that's appealing to like the cis hat male gaze. And then, so you learn by watching that, that that's, you're just supposed to do this performance for Uh, your partner and so but I also love how you tied being an Asian woman into that because I feel like that has like a lot to do with it It, to me it makes so much sense you just jumped right into it yeah like are these resources available do you just go on the internet and then like where do you because it seems so like how do we find out more right me and Brian are like writing the community is extremely supportive and like very welcoming 
but it just seems so daunting to me. Like how I'm like, I don't even know what what, what I'm doing. Like, is this we- am I weird? Do you know what I mean? Is that, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is super yeah, yeah. valid. And honestly, that like opaqueness is what stops a lot of people from like mm. experimenting or even understanding this part of themselves. So I think the right. first the first piece for me was like facing that shame of like, yeah. oh, like I want to do these things or I want these people to do these things to me. Like, let me just like full on look at that. That was like the first piece. And then the second piece honestly was a ton of work. And I'm realizing now like how much work it was of like me getting integrated into communities of like pre-COVID going to kink parties by myself, wow. going mm. to meetups, finding like apps and networks that are specific for sex posse and kink and fetish folks like FetLife, Field, and like right. just starting to really put myself out there. And then it was honestly just trying to find like educational resources. So um, I'm not a sex worker. I don't purport to be a sex worker, but I knew that I wanted to learn alongside sex workers. I wanted to understand it from a sex worker's perspective. And so really like tried to find pro doms. And it was literally me sliding into people's DMs of like, maybe this is weird. I would love to like apprentice for you. Or can I like watch a session? Yeah. It just became like boots on the ground work. And through that yeah. started to find a community through that started to like attend courses, but it like took a lot of time and it makes me really sad that it's this opaque. Cause I think a lot of folks perhaps are like not accessing the full spectrum of play or pleasure um, because right. it is so opaque. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be, I think I just want to touch on what you said, the uh, touching on or like facing your shame because I am so ashamed of my kinks to this day. Even though I'm like very sex positive and I have a lot of sex, I'm still like, there is yeah. a, most of the time I'm like, I don't want to say this. This is awkward. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so real, girl. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I, I mean, I want to, but should I? Yeah. Can you tell us? Wait, Kim, can you tell us your kinks? Do you want to? So is that rude? I, is that rude? No, no, <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't want to, you so don't have to. I'm just asking. I'm like kind of annoying in the sense that my kinks and fetishes are ultimate. Like I have tons of things that I love, but as a person, yeah. I don't optimize for titles and acts. I optimize for chemistry and connection with a partner. So like right, I'm right. switchy and I'm pretty experienced that like almost for the most part, there's obviously I have hard boundaries, but most people's kinks and fetishes, like I have experience or I'm down to ride with like, I'm very much like a service top in that sense of like, I love helping people like reach their joy. Yeah. Um, but like things that mm. I kind of gun to my head, have a secret place in my heart. I, I do love all things power exchange, bondage, restraints, orgasm control, cum control, edging. I have a slight sadistic streak. So I do enjoy impact play, light cock and ball torture. Um, mm. Nice. And then a little bit of degradation feels a little natural to me. So I do enjoy like cuckolding, um, cuck queening. Like these are all like terms and words, but like basically power right. exchange. I love anything and everything for the most part underneath that. Oh, that sounds so hot. I was like, Whoa. me too. I like that too. I like all of that too. <gasps> I want to uh, do that. If I could, if I could give you like a p- one unsolicited piece of advice of like yeah. confronting those kinks, it's like don't do it during play. Like there's so much ego and pressure wrapped up when you're about to like engage with a partner, like actually physically. It's always best to talk about these things like in a neutral setting, like in the morning with coffee or tea. It seems oh, so mortifying. Oh. I think I could do that. That seems yeah. That seems like, like doable to me. Like when you're in the heat of the moment, you're like, choke me. And someone's like, not there. And you're like, oh, it's like, it's just a bad vibe all around. It's just best to be yeah, yeah, yeah. neutral. 
It's like, please cock and ball torture me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Fuck, is it weird now? <laughs> Did I make it weird? <laughs> oh, that's really, that's actually really good advice. Yeah. So, when you, as soon as you said that, I was like, I feel like I could, I could do that. I could have sit yeah. down with somebody and have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always, I always feel like it comes in my head during sex and yeah, then i'm like fair. should i say it i'm not gonna say it that's weird i'm <laughs> weird <laughs> one um, one thing that like if i can just say one more thing about this something that yeah. helped me reframe away from like weird because i felt yeah. a lot of that when i was like oh i really want to like step on someone's balls like does that make me a bad person <gasps> me too um, yeah one thing that on one of my mistresses balls. told me that like fundamentally reshaped the way that i view kink and fetish she's like kim all all kink and fetish is is childhood imagination and play with adult sexual privilege. So like when mm. we were younger, right? It would be yeah. like, all right, Brian, you're a cop. I'm a robber. Go. And we would create these worlds. And without even blinking, without thinking, like you would be a cop and I'd be a robber. And we would just like make this little world for ourselves. But right. as adults, over time, we pack on insecurity. We pack on ego. We pack on mm -hmm. trauma and shame. And now we are unable to reach that very childlike sense of play. That's yeah. all kink and fetishes is allowing us to access that again. And now with orgasms, which are fun for everyone. Uh, wow. Now. That is fun. I have a question. I feel like when it comes to this world of kink and fetish, the when the power dynamic is being subverted, it's almost seems like easier to accept versus like when it's reinforced, then I feel like it's a slippery slope because uh, using you as an example, uh, you are, uh, you're a woman and societally like the power dynamic is in favor of men. Like we are in a patriarchal society. So you like, like if you want to step on a guy's balls, like that is, uh, the power dynamic is like subvert. It's being subverted mm. in that relationship. Whereas, like, let's point. say I am a man, and I go like, "Yeah, I'm really into dominating women. Like, I've, I'm yeah. into that. Like, that's who I am. A like, of, that yeah. just reinforced. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I feel like, I, if you think about it too much, does it kind of ruin? Like, is yeah. it is a rule to just not think about it and like you're just into it and that's what it is and just communicate? Do you mm. know what I'm trying to like get at? Yes. Here? Yeah. No, I, I hundred percent. And I, yeah, I, I totally hear you. And for so long, actually, Brian, that was explicitly, I was like, when I first started out my journey, I was like, I'm a dom, capital D. I'll never let a man, you know, like never let a man yeah. spit in my mouth, that type of energy. And then because I hadn't realized that, like, I had slept with a lot of folks, male folks who had identified as dom, but really yeah. what they were doing, they were like channeling their misogyny through domination, which is like yes. not yes. good. <laughs> that is not yes, ethical I've, domination. I've, that, that's my Leo Decret. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that. Yes, I've seen that. Yes, yes. It's, I, I'm like, I want to say every single woman has had this experience where a guy's been like, I'm a dom, and they've just like been shitty and misogynistic and like awful, right? right. And yes. so I think over time I realized like, oh, wow, DS is power exchange. It is like something that we source and surface within ourselves and like is an expression of us. And so I yeah. do mm. deeply believe, and I have partners who are, cis het men who are right. doms but the difference is sure. they've done the work they've like gone through therapy they've tried to understand yeah. what is the root of their desire for domination they've yes. like realized that oh it's not about 
And also you can dominate with someone without ever touching them, without ever sleeping with them, without ever hurting them. Like domination is literally what you co-create with someone. So there's yeah. absolutely a way that you can be an ethical dom and a man. I think you just have right. to yes. fucking do the work. I'm mm. really glad that you brought that up because also, you know, I, like the little that I know about kinks and stuff like that, I know that there is this thing where, you know, like when you are having like some sort of kinky sex, that is separate than the real world. So like, I feel mm. like some of my kinks that I'm ashamed of sort of align with these like misogynistic ideas. Right. And I feel like I can be a feminist, even though yeah. I don't do any of these kinky things. I, I can be a feminist and still have this kinky part of my sex life that I want yes. to, ha- to play this role where I'm like, a, you know, a mate. I'm not saying <laughs> like, not that I would like, I'm not that I would want this, but like, you know, like I could have, yeah. I could have like a sex life where I play a role where I'm like a man is beating. You. And I think, you know, I'm glad that you talked about this because I think a lot of like cishet couples, men and mm. women already do this sort of kink in bed because that's socially acceptable. Like the choking phenomenon, Um, all cishet men love choking cishet women. And for me, I'm just like, that's just sort of like misogyny, but like, it's fine because it's kink or whatever. But that's like where they will draw the line. Like they're not going to do, you know, you know what I mean? Because it already, it already fits in their head of like, it's already been accepted and socialized. Yeah. Like slapping a woman and choking a woman. Like that's like, totally fine layers like, acceptable They're, like you know a lot so of this is not for everybody yeah from porn you know exactly yeah now like so in this hypothetical kim let's say that both partners are they've communicated and they're like both lo- watched a ton of porn and they just want to do the shit that's in porn even if it's like if you dig deeper they could be quite nefarious and there's like ugly truths in it but if both partners are like fuck yeah, I watch a lot of porn. Like, I like the shit that goes down in porn. I like it when you do that weird, like, you slap my vagina and, like, like before, you know what I mean? Titty slapping. <laughs> and what the is titty that? slapping. Yeah. But, like... I might like that. I don't like, know. In the world that you're in, like, if both partners are agreeing to it, then is that just, like, fuck it. Then that it is what it is. Like, both people are happy and there's nothing more yeah. to it then. Yeah, this is a great question and there's no one right answer, right? Like yeah. I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, like <laughs> the there's there's like, <laughs> there's like hard lines, right? But I yeah. know for me, I operate under like anything is possible within with as long as there's consent, communication and honesty. I practice yeah. what I call rack is the term. There's several mm. like frameworks within BDSM, but rack is risk aware consensual kink of like mm-hmm. as long as you are of you know sound whatever sound mind and body you understand yeah. the risks of what's about to happen and you're consenting to it anything is possible and like when uh, i say anything for some people that is anything and there are yeah. other yeah. folks who are like hey ethics of bdsm we shouldn't hurt people in a way that's mm. um, irreversible but then i also know mm. doms Ooh friends of mine whose submissives have gotten tattooed for them or have gotten branded for them. Is that unethical? You know, if there's consent and communication, like it's, it's not, it's not clear. And I think different doms will have different answers for you. For me, I think I I skew towards like risk, as long as you're risk aware and it's consensual, then you can create whatever world you want. Right. Right. Should we, as a practice, since Kim said her kinks, should we both say our kinks, Brian? (laughs) I don't want to take away the shame, but I'm curious. We don't have to. You go Should first. Should we say one? 
<laughs> I'm so ashamed right now. I'm so embarrassed. Oh why though? It's God. so weird because I talk about sex all the time. Go on. Well, I guess so, like I... here, why don't we? I'll, I'll make it easier. Like, what? what is something that you're curious about that maybe you're a little bit scared by, but is still intriguing to you? I am so embarrassed right now. I really regret seeing this. Okay, okay. Let me think of one. I'll go first. Okay, if you Brian, want me go to. do it, Brian. Okay, so allegedly, coming from a place of curiosity. I would say for me, it's uh, like exhibitionism a little Ooh, bit where wow. I, even the idea of the, like, let's say filming myself having sex, mm. just the process of that is enough to like s- turn me on. Like, I don't even have to watch the video. It can be discarded immediately after, but just like... Mm. The act Ooh. of there's like enough taboo there where like I think in the umbrella category of like exhibitionism or it's like something is hot about that. And that's interesting. Yeah. Would it like would that. it turn you on if you knew that people were watching it? I mean, in a safe whatever way. The, yeah, possibly. Yeah, mm. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. But again, like I've thought about it. And I'm like, well, I do stand up. So it's probably the same like satiates the same part of my brain there what if you're uh, not on a stand-up stage and you just have started having sex but everyone knew everyone consented to that consented it's not louis ck style it's oh consenting God. and we they buy, they buy tickets because they know that's gonna happen would that be like hot for you until the critics are like this isn't funny he's just you're not funny. Just like he's just like being gross and doing sex stuff <laughs> i consented but i don't like it <laughs> yeah so i guess like for me it would be like exhibition exhibitionism and then like like dom like dom behavior but again cool. like i haven't explored it i yeah. don't know where How does it be, even Brian? you know what i mean that's yeah. why I'm at, I was asking, I'm like, is this just like my porn brain or is this something that's inherent to me? Like, I don't know, you know? Well, I think the important thing is that you don't feel bad about it or that it's wrong. Oh, no, I feel incredibly overwhelmed with embarrassment <laughs> that I shared this right now. But <laughs> I, I'm like, about okay, to share mine. Have, I, was, wait, I want to hear Youngies and then I might just layer okay. on a quick little commentary. <laughs> okay, so mine, I was. this is embarrassing, but I have this like... Uh, I do have this like fantasy where I am like uh, some sort of working person that's like in service to somebody like a maid mm. or like somebody that's like I don't know like some like low job that somebody's gonna come in and take advantage of me okay. is that even Ooh. a kink or is that do you know what I mean and I have to do what they tell me to do okay <gasps> so like, that's you know what I mean yeah like that's my thing oh thank you for sharing that that is delicious that is that's borderline like consensual non-consent which is yeah i is is also i i love cnc but um okay wow thank you so much both of y'all for sharing that takes a lot to step into (laughs) your truth um something that i might just like layer on that really kind of helped me kind of think about a lot of this stuff is so in general people try like we shouldn't kind of overanalyze kinks and fetishes like it's not yeah. like I think people are like, oh, well, she wants to be this because, you know, like I try not to do that. I think some of okay. you're just born this way. Right. But something that one of my teachers once told me that I think has given me some sort of insight into myself anyways, is she's like, all DS is domination submission. All it is, is us playing 
and understanding our insecurities. So for example, as a dominant, I've been told my whole life that like Asian women are submissive, Asian women are quiet, docile, blah, blah, blah. So it makes sense to me that like, I would want to use domination to like give a middle finger to those tropes. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. And submission, she said, is oftentimes our way of reconciling and confronting our own insecurities, but in a safe, controlled environment with someone that we trust. So Mm. I'll give you an example. For some reason, a lot of the submissives who are attracted to my energy are often quote unquote alpha men. They're like tall Mm. dudes who make a lot of money and blah, 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 blah. And when they want to kind of play with me, it's in a capacity where they're like my sissy little sluts. Like that, they explicitly mm. look for sissification. And for so long, I was like, wait, I don't get like what? And then I started actually like speaking to them. I very much view like DS and BDSM as sometimes like therapy for many folks. But it became right. clear to me that like a lot of these men are given zero room for feminine expression. They're like, Mm. I have to be tall. I have to be strong. I have to have a big dick. I have to know how to please women. I have to make all the money. I have to like, have to, have to, have to. And so because they're forced into this really rigid box of masculinity, toxic masculinity, they're given Mm -hmm. no room for softness, for vulnerability, for, you know, what some perceive to be feminine expression. And so it comes out, quote unquote, in an extreme way with me where they want to be these like sissy little toys my little good little pets like because that for them is their greatest insecurity their greatest insecurity is like oh my gosh i'm not big enough i'm not strong enough i'm not a man enough alpha guy yeah Yeah. and 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 so so hot i i i love it (laughs) um but yeah some like perhaps like something to think about as you all think about like you know again don't overanalyze it sometimes you just want to have fun with whatever your brain is on but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was really curious okay thank you so much for uh just being so open on our podcast yeah, but uh, we w- before we let you go let us and our listeners know what is something that you're proud of oh honestly i'm proud of who i am today like it took a lot of time for me to like integrate all these parts of my life and not feel shame from them so that's what i feel proud of is that like i can go on my instagram and talk about bdsm and have investors follow me and have that be just as valid a part of my existence as me being like a girl boss, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I think that was like, you know, what Brian and I were talking about before we started recording, we're like, you know, this is a new kind of entrepreneur, like a new kind of business owner, like somebody that integrates all parts of their life into their business. And that is proven to be very successful. And I think refreshing for people. It's so real, you know? Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. So we want to congratulate you on all your success and thank you for such a great product, which I love. <laughs> I just feel like it needs more baby corn, but that's, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> more baby corn. Yeah. Uh, where can our listeners find you and your work? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Kim underscore T fam. And then you can also find us at Omsom. Um, and yeah, I'm just around on the interweb so as, as long as you find me on kimfam.org you're good to go <laughs> all right how about you brian where can our listeners find you uh you guys can find me on socials at it's brian park and what about you young me ym mayor and my tiktok is young me mayor please follow our podcast at feeling asian podcast on instagram and tiktok and youtube and youtube yeah Ooh. yeah youtube.com slash feeling asian podcast and 
I think that's basically it. Yeah. You know the drill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again. Bye. Bye. Thanks.